Shiver Me Yard Arms, and Cod Buckle Your Parrots. It's System Mastery, the podcast of eight, where we walk the timbers and scalawag a dead seahorse, 1d6 dead men's tails at a booty. I'm really bad at pirate dialogue. Never mind. On today's episode, we review 7th Sea. Wait, no, 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 come back, come back. It's really 7th Sea this time. For real, I promise. We review 7th Sea, the swashbuckling game of piracy on the high seas, by famed author of Legend of the Five Rings, John Wick. Let's get started. And welcome back to System Mastery. I'm Jeff, and as always, my co-host John is here too. Hi, John. How are you this very week? So exhausted, but so ready to talk about 7C. I am definitely ready to talk about this game now. <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you sure? You don't? Because I feel like we could probably stick it out a little if we need to. <laughs> it's almost like we could fill an entire hour with nothing but shtick. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 7C is a role-playing game about playing as pirates by John Wick. No, I mean, you don't need to play as a pirate. You can just be a guy. Actually, it's kind of hard to play as a pirate. Did you notice that out of of the skill sets that are available in this game? Because the way skills work is you pick packages of skills, and then each one comes with, like, knacks. And knacks are what skills would be in other games. Which we'll get to. We will. Anyway. But what I wanted to mention is that none of the skills are, or the skill blocks, are piracy. No, there is not a pirate skill block. And there is in one of the the, uh, supplement books for this game. Yeah, because I'm sure there was a pirate supplement. Which is weird, because this is a game about piracy. That'd be like if D&D came with a fighter class removed and stuck in a different book. Oh, you mean the way that it would work best? Is just the fighter class removed? Yeah, just removed entirely and forgotten about. (laughs) Anyway, I'm not too much accusing him of price gouging. My guess is that really he thought that you could build anything you built in this game was a pirate. And then later on, he was like, oh, no, never mind. Let's actually put in a pirate skill. See, I don't. I feel like this game isn't really about pirates so much as it is just I wanted to make fantasy like, medieval Europe. Fantasy simulator. medieval Europe. And yeah. that also happens to include pirates. Well, let's start with that then. Why don't we talk about the setting of, of Seventh Sea? All right. So this takes place on Thea. I've got a cousin, Thea. I hope this doesn't take place on my cousin. Yeah, it does. I take place on your cousin, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If you mean you if you mean you fruitlessly push yourself against her while she watches Korean soap operas, then yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that is correct. That is how I take place. I fruitlessly push myself against people. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm taking place, baby. Yeah. This is happening. You like how this takes place? Grudging consent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's my favorite thing that an Elcor says. Grudging consent. (laughs) Grudgingly consent. (laughs) You think an Elcor could give enthusiastic consent? Yeah, it'd just be enthusiastically I consent. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, people think we're going off topic here. So this game is set in the world of Thea, which is basically not Europe. Yeah. I mean, it's got some not Asia built into it a little bit. They mentioned some stuff that I'm sure gets covered more heavily in core books. Well, you have the, they mentioned like the Crescent Kingdom, which is basically just Arabs. Yeah, it's the, it's the Arabic nations. And then also Osura, which is Russia, which is more Asia than Europe in most cases. It's a big country, but <laughs> yeah, you know, in a big country, <laughs> dreams stay with you. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, should we cut to a clip? <laughs> No, okay. I, think, no. I think we would get just killed if we started doing that again. <laughs> All right, fine. Okay, so Hisura is like the Russia of this game, and then there's also uh, like a fake England. Well, yeah, you have Avalon, which is your fake England, and Avalon has a fake Scotland and fake Ireland as well. Uh, yeah, and the basic conceit behind Avalon is that it's a very magical fake country. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of, like, fairies and, like... Sea- well, you have the she. The she, right. Yeah. That's how you pronounce that word. That's it is. Sidhi. The Sidhi, which is pronounced she because fuck Gaelic. There's <laughs> one more reason why the British are the worst. The lot of you. I'm lumping you in there with them, Ireland. You can't escape it. But they built that Sidhi on rock and roll. No. Oh. It sank. Because 
all of Britain is a bog and should <laughs> sink into the ocean. Fine, fine. Okay. So there's also fake France. Yep, fake France is Montaigne. I would have preferred to have seen Montaigne. <laughs> oh, Montaigne. <laughs> so that's fake France, and it, fake France is very, uh, it's religious, right? Is that, no, no, I'm no. thinking of Odachi. Yeah, no, fake France is, uh, basically they took all of the stereotypes of anything of the... Like the uh, Sun King and Louis Fourteenth and what have you, so, so courtly. Yeah, so it's all very courtly, lots of uh, courtiers and... Oh, we're all very big about being nobles and, ooh, come and see all of our decadence. Aren't we decadent? Ooh, the chocolate icing. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's Montaigne. Yeah, and then you have a fake Italy. Fake Italy, Vodace. Vodace. Vodace is all about people just punching everyone in the dick all the time. Pretty much. Just, my favorite thing is like, oh yeah, everyone in Vodace wants to fight all the time, forever. They're also the most religious of the countries, because that's where the, the objectivist church is located. Or No, wait, objectivism no. is a single branch of the church. Which is not them. No, I thought the Vodace, Vodace... Oh, wait, are they located in Spain? Is that is that where the big church is in this? No, because both Vodace and Castile, which is not Spain, right. are standard oh practice. yeah not objectivist i was saying that earlier they're they're standard religion yeah they are the standard Thean religion yeah which is basically catholicism by another name and then lutheranism explodes out into the scene as objectivism well, yeah instead, instead of, of being a protestant yeah you're an objectant oh, yeah great okay so man then, this that shows up all the goddamn time in here yeah it gets a little eye-rolling after a while sometimes it's clever and fun yeah, like the first the first couple pages. When but you're sometimes it, you're like, it's and then there was an outbreak of the white plague. Oh fuck you, uh, my asshole. Yeah, I did like that. Prostitutes are called Jennies. I thought yeah. that was kind of cool. So there was a couple little bits of canter slang and so on introduced in this book that are actually kind of fun and interesting. But a lot of them are just uh, very basic. <laughs> just yeah, kind of obvious. It, whatever it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Uh, and then you've also got a fake Germany called Eisen. Eisen. Which gets a bunch of cool names derived from German words. You've got like Panzerfaust. You got Zidrochen Eisen. Yeah, Eisenfaust. And yeah, <laughs> just great cool German names. You've got a fake Spain, Castile. Yep. And Castile is like the Mario of this universe. It's, <laughs> it's assumed that you are from there. It's kind of uh, basic and boring. Well, Castile is, what do they have? Uh, good education. Yeah. And the Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> right, they have the Inquisition. And nobody expects the Castilian Inquisition. And they can also all jump medium, and they can, like, dig vegetables out of the ground at, like, medium speed. So, <laughs> right. Now, meanwhile, you also have fake Russia, which, if they jump, they can float in the air for two seconds. Yeah, that's their power. Yeah. <laughs> fake Russia is called Usura, and it's very natural. It's They try to do, like, the whole, okay, Russia is a super cold, mountainous chilly place but everyone there is all natural and can talk to animals and so on well it's all just like what's there just woodland folk as far as the eye can see yeah they, it's, it's all they just, live in peace with their nature spirit it's just a bunch of people like on the outbreak of a fairy tale every single one of them is like i'm living in a cottage in the woods i hope i don't encounter a witch on my walk to service oh yeah 100 percent everyone and it's like oh yeah this entire country is just covered in snow forever yeah. And the only reason they can grow crops is because the land provides for them. Right. And then there is also a fake uh, Sweden. Fake, yeah, well, fake well, like Norway, are, yeah. Sweden, all that. Yeah. And that's Vendel. Right. And it's, it's just fake where Vikings are from. Or uh, the larger name, which is Vostamanangiar. Oh, nice. I, I did not bother trying to remember any of the names from that. But... <laughs> But it's divided into two groups because he wanted to kind of do both parts of what that part of the world has become, like the Denmark of the world. So you have the modernized people, which are all like merchants and sailors and so on, that have taken advantage of their ability to build a navy in their big shallow harbors. And then you also have Vikings. Yeah. So, so well divided. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that happened in actual Earth history you have here, so... You know, you've got your white plague instead of the black plague. You've got your objectionism instead of Protestantism. Yeah, you've got your finding stuff outians instead of your inquisi Inquisition. <laughs> I love that they just kept Inquisition. Yeah, well, what are you going to call it otherwise? Like the Askeons? <laughs> God, that would be so good. <laughs> oh, I would have way more respect if he was like, no, I literally did everything. Just changed it to be, like, just the, synonyms. That's the, all. The Castian checkup with you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make it. If it was the Vodace ones, it'd be like, the Vodace, what's the matter, you Ians? 
the, the Valdase, what's the matter? What's the matter? You would be the best Inquisition ever. <laughs> Unfortunately, what's the matter? You is just the university that yeah, exists in Valdace. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. All right. So there's these fake countries. One of the things that drove me the most nuts about this game getting started here is that this is set in like the equivalent of like between the 14th and 16th century, right? Like that's where the technology ranges. There's guns. Well, they close. they have a little bit better because. Uh, the big thing on this is the religion here, instead of being anti-science, like, oh, yeah. yeah, instead of going into the dark ages, the whole thing was based on, oh, we need to have technology and science. And the first prophet, the one who sort of brought the church around, his whole thing was sorcery is bad. And instead, God wants us to rely on our wits. And that's what separates us from the animals. And so... What makes us unique is what we should focus on. And so the church ended up having a much more focused degree of science is what they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. But what I was going to say is that one of the things that drives me nuts about this game is that it's ostensibly a game about piracy in a world that's almost our own world but slightly different, except that no one ever discovers the Americas because they don't exist, which means you don't have the Caribbean equivalent, which is where piracy is. You need to have those South Seas islands where, where everyone's like living in little Martinique equivalents and so on. And this book just doesn't seem to have that. There's a few islands out there. I mean, we should talk about how there's... Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm almost certain that in some splat book they're like, and here's your Caribbean. Yeah, because you got to have it. I mean, that's where piracy was. There was some piracy happening off the coast of England and so on, but it was... But the big thing they did with this is they decided that riverways were slightly more prevalent in the continent here than in Europe. Right, so, so that you, you had a lot pirates. more like river piracy and taking boats places is way easier than going across land. So it wants you to do boat stuff, but only on your birthday. That's <laughs> when you get to do boat stuff. I was just gonna make that joke. <laughs> this is what I get for not interrupting you. I know, right? <laughs> you let me get... talk, and I'm gonna beat you to the joke. I'm trying to do it less, and now I, I'm realizing the folly of my ways. <laughs> uh, so yeah. The uh, all of the weird ship stuff that you think, you know, if it didn't have that little throwaway section of, oh, yeah, and by the way, there's a ton of rivers everywhere and people boat all over the place. You'd have to stick to one of the seas that is in this. Yeah, one of the seven seas of Seventh Sea. Yeah. Which, God, I I don't think I can remember them enough to elucidate what each one is because they're all just like, this is a big ocean. Also, there's one weird thing that happens here. It's like, well, the weirdest thing for me is there are two of the seas that they first started like, oh, what's this sea? Oh, it's mostly normal. You're like, okay. What's mm-hmm. this sea? It's mostly normal, except there are sea monsters there. You're like, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah, well, they're you gotta giant have those. whales. All right. Sure. All right. Whatever. Whales Leviathan. are giant already. I got that. Yeah. No, yeah. you have that. the whole Even, idea of the Leviathan down yeah. there. That's yeah. fine. And then there's the idea of the Kraken as well, because... Yeah. They're like, oh, well, there's a, something that even hunts those. Yeah, it's a pirate game. You've got to have cool krakens and fantasy whales. Yeah. That's fine. So, And that was fine. But then it kept going weirder and weirder until one of them was like, oh, this entire ocean is a labyrinth of firewalls. And you're like, who fucking goes in that Oh, then? well, uh, okay, it's the Castillans. Because, again, the Marios of this game are extremely adept at dodging rotating firewalls. <laughs> Except it doesn't rotate. It's just a maze. Oh. You can't even turn your boat around. They're like, oh, yeah. If you try to turn your boat around bright eyes, then you'll fall apart. Yeah. There was another one where islands randomly pop up and, and ruin boats and then just pop back down again. Yeah, it's just ghost islands show yeah. up. So there's there's these seven oceans, and each one of them's got some interesting features that happen. Most of the features are terrifying and dangerous, which... Oh, see, yeah, you get, like, uh, the sirens in this. Yeah. And they'll try and wreck your ship. Naturally, that leads to people going out in boats a lot more than normal. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, like if you were like, all right, what's out in the ocean? Well, there's super sharks. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'm all set. Thank you. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm going to be a woodcutter. Oh, yeah. The fact that they're like, oh, yeah, if you go out into the water, well, not only are there just giant sea creatures, but anytime you see someone who is maybe stranded and in need of help, oh, they're probably trying to murder you because they're a weird mythical creature. Right. Well, actually, that was one of my favorite things about this book was the rules of the sea. They wrote like the the piratical rules of of, of sailing. You know, just like how there, we have all the ones that we know about today because of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean movies and what have you. Like, oh, it's bad luck to bring a woman on a boat and so on. This one's got all these cool rules of the sea. Like, if And someone... the fact that it's magical means, oh, no, it's actually enforced. Yeah. 
like if someone falls off the boat, fuck them. That's the sea taking them. You can't go get them. Don't rescue people who fall off the boat. Yeah. If you if someone tries to go get them, more than likely they are also dead. Just let it go. Yeah. And uh, if someone dies at sea, bury them at sea because the ocean claimed them, so the ocean gets them. Yeah. And the ocean loves justice, so don't try and hide anything because the the ocean will punish you karmically. Well, I, actually, that was one of the weirdest things to me was that it mentioned that the ocean loves justice, so when criminals go out to sea to try and escape justice on land, the sea will kill them. Oh, yeah. And I was like, how do you have pirates then? Well, it's if you commit some... Uh, land crimes land-based crime <laughs> so if you're like lex luthor and you're like ah i'm building beachfront property superman can't stop my real estate scheme <laughs> i'll hide in the sea uh but then like one of the examples they gave was a guy who tried to bury his wife that he murdered in the sand near the water and then the ocean kept digging her up and pointing her so that her hand was pointed at the house where they were living. Well, I'm like, that's neat. It's a cool story. It's a cool story, but really it's just telling me that that guy isn't digging his wife's hole deep enough. I mean, I mean, yeah, right. Yeah. No, I mean, but ladies, but he's getting dug up by the tides. Think man, go, go bury her somewhere more permanent. Right. You're like, dude, you've obviously tried burying her in loose sand and that didn't work. Maybe try some actual dirt this time. Let's go to round two. He's like, nope, I've built everything on sand and I'll never stop. That's why I've only got half a house. Look, I had this plan. It's a good plan. And by God, I'm sticking to it. (laughs) All right. So we should probably talk about the mechanics of this a little bit. Well, if you uh, listen to our uh, five rings, the legend thereof, Mm -hmm. then you know the uh, roll and keep system yes and this uses the roll and keep but it simplifies the number of stats and changes some minor elements about the roll and keep system in an attempt to be a little more uh dramatic and swashbuckly instead of straight up murdery oh yeah because that was one of the biggest things in legend of the five rings is it was lethal if you got into a sword fight with someone you're like oh the first guy to hit the other person is going to win because you probably murdered him or crippled him so bad that he's not going to fight you. It took off an arm or something. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very dangerous. So this game, instead of having five rings, each of which has two stats in it, just has five stats. Yeah, and uh, four of them are actual stats, and the last one is action advantage. Yeah, goddamn, Panache is just garbage. When I first saw the Panache stat, I was like, ooh, Panache, that's a great name for a stat. I, I feel like it's going to be a combination of like charisma and kind of repartee and rapier and wit and what have you. But no. Every point in, in panache you have is one action you get to take during in a combat round. So you need to max it out so that you aren't going less often than the other people you're fighting. Well, yeah, because if you start your stats, you're like, oh, I just, I, everyone starts with a one and whatever. And then you have to pay points in order to get points and it passed the one you get. Yeah. So if you went, oh, I just left my panache at one. You're like, great. This guy's going to go three times. You're going to go once. So even if you put a couple points into something else, you're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll be slightly more accurate than him. Okay, great, but he's also going to go three times as much as you. Yeah, getting right out, right out the gate here, Panache is a shit stat, and games where you can just buy extra actions in an action economy are bad design. But the other stats you get, you have your Brawn, mm-hmm. which is your standard strength stat, uh, and then also sort of Constitution. You have your Finesse, which is your hand-eye coordination, mm-hmm. your Dexterity, and it's, I mean, basically just dexterity in any other game because it's how well you hit in close combat. Although in this game, it oddly enough comes out as like the third most powerful stat instead of the most powerful because you have resolve and resolve is like constitution and willpower all rolled into one. It controls your social interactions. It controls your health track and it controls your magical ability. Yeah, so, so it's, it's got a ton of stuff in it. Almost everything's tied to either re- to resolve or finesse, and then panache doesn't do anything but action economy, but that enough is alone to make it the best stat. Yeah, and then you also have wits as the last stat, and wits is just your intellect plus perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lets you act quickly and respond to things. So, yeah, those are the stats, and that's it. Right, yep, and now there is something kind of cool with the skill system in this game, which I actually kind of like. Uh, the way skills work is just the same as it was in L5R. They increase your chance to succeed, but not like your broad amount of dice that you're rolling. So like, for example, let's say that, well, they also no, do that. It's the, it's the other way. No, well, they also do that. Here's, here's the basic workings of it. Let's say that your character has a three in brawn and he wants to lift something and he has the lifting skill at rank two. 
he would normally, to lift something, roll three dice and keep three dice, check those three dice against a target number, and they're all D10s. But if he has the lift skill, then he adds two more dice, but he still only keeps three of the dice that he rolls. So he rolls five and keeps three, the highest ones. What it makes is your raw stats are so important because everything that you do you only get to keep a number of dice equal to the raw stat. Yep. But the raw stat also gives you one more rolled die, which means no matter what, basically like your starting character points to make your character with, you're so much better off just maxing your stats out. Yeah. And you can only go to a three, which is nice. Maximum is a five, mm-hmm. but your max you can get at character creation is a three, which is nice that they did that because otherwise you'd go... Oh, well, fuck it. I'll get skills later because they're cheaper with XP than stats, and I will just get fives and everything because these are amazing. Right. Oh, threes and everything. So you end up spending 40 of your points. You're starting 100 points. All go into stats because, damn, they have to. Yeah. So. Uh, then you, uh, depending on what nationality you get, you'll get a plus one to one of your stats. That's correct. So, for example, if you're from Fantasy Russia, you get a plus one resolve. Yeah, and if you were, say, from Fantasy France, you get a plus one to your panache. Which is awesome. Oh my god. Yeah. Means you're the only person that can go above a three to start with because the extra plus one happens at the end. So whatever you happen to be good at for your nationality, you can do that better than normal. Right. And and that ties in with how French people are known for punching people super fast. Oh yeah, they're super quick. It's well it's true. I mean if you think about it, you've got your Jean Claude Van Damme's and your and your Jean, your I mean, Jean Claude Van Damme. Granted he's Belgian. Uh which I don't think this game had a fantasy Belgium. No. Fantasy Belgia. Yeah, it's just called Belgia. <laughs> Belgion. <laughs> Belgion Prime. <laughs> That'd be awesome if Belgium was populated by super fast martial arts robots. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fantasy world I want to live in. Yeah. <laughs> so the the last thing really in the world, aside from these nations and the seas and everything else that you need to know of, is... The people that were here before. Ah, yes, the Seerneth. The yeah, the the Seerneth. Yeah, and they are, uh, I mean, sort of Atlantean slash alien. It's pretty Cthulhu-y to me. Well, it or you find mythos. out later that it is. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, because I didn't know that. Because the, the you you appear to have read more books than me. Um, I have read this book and part of the DMG or the DMG equivalent. Yeah. Because uh, I really wanted to read some Wick DM advice, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you eventually find out that the Sirenath are like chthonic nonsense. But just reading it to me, it was I was getting a bunch of Mountains of Madness vibe stuff from them. Well, yeah, because uh, I think what they wanted to do in the main book really is give you more of an Atlantis vibe of here was a society that was super advanced. They were here before we were, and now they've disappeared, and no one knows why. But there's all these ruins, and in the ruins you can find like artifacts that they left behind so maybe you find some Sirnath artifact that's more powerful than any arquebus could possibly be right well it, it, yeah I, I mean i just definitely got a vibe of like oh man monsters lived in the past and they're super important i mean you get the you get the impression that that's supposed to be a large portion of this game is going out and looking for Sirnath artifacts and selling them on the black market yeah well i mean there's a few hooks that you get right out the gate there's the piracy angle, there's the treasure hunter angle, which is much more the go be, like, archaeologists and just grab a bunch of stuff from these ruins. Yeah, then you've got, like, the military or privateer factions where you're working for a government and, and kind of doing pi- piracy legally. Well, that or just, you know, like, actually being in the army and marching on places. Right, because like there is currently an yeah. inv- invasions, like... The Montaigne, I think, are invading Castile. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the weird skill thing. Okay. So, skills. There are skills. This this was a little infuriating, because in this game, there are professions. And you buy these professions. They're things like uh, shipwright or uh, spy and so on. And each one of these has a number of knacks associated with it. And knacks are skills. And skills are professions, but they're called skills and knacks. Yeah, the when I first saw the skill selection, I was like, oh, wow. It just has this one little list of, like, here's these various things. And I went, oh, man, your skill is spy? That's awesome. 
this covers a whole bunch of shit. And so if I was doing anything that a spy would do, I could roll with that. And there's a skill called athlete. Awesome. Instead of having to get it as lifting and swimming and running and you're like, oh, I just have athlete. If I want to do something physical, I can roll athlete. Right. And then it turns out, no, athlete just controls running and swimming and climbing and jumping and and, the, and, and and then those are divided up between basic and advanced knacks yeah so in your basic knacks you get a point in it for free as soon as you take that skill yes so if i spend three points and get spy as the skill then i get the basic knacks for that which is i think just like uh subterfuge it's oh shadowing, shadowing and stealth yeah shadowing and stealth yeah and if you get that, then great, you have a point in each of those, and then it unlocks the ability to get the advanced knacks, but it doesn't give you any points in them. Yeah, you have so to buy it, those later. And those include things like cryptography and the weirdly Disguise. named... Disguise. Yeah, sincerity. Oh yeah, Sin- sincerity, which is just, I'm lying to you, but it sounds like I'm honest. So, because... So deceit. It could have just been called deceit. Yeah, because- but it's sincerity... Honestly, I'm going to go to bat for sincerity. That's an awesome way to make your lie skill. It's just, okay. I turned lying into being sincere. And that's amazing. I love that. I'm calling it the opposite of what it is. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> the white plague. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there's a ton of knacks. Mm-hmm. Way too many. Yeah, that was... And they're, they're divided up in dumb ways. Like, for example, if you want the balance knack. By the way, there's no way to buy these knacks except for buying the profession that they are located in. Oh, yeah, you have to buy the skill and then you can get the knacks. Yes, exactly. But that leads to some dumb shit. Like, for example, if you would like the balance skill, you, you have to buy sailing. It is not located anywhere else. It's not under athlete. And it's not under the one that I figured it would be under, which is coachman. Huh. So if you wanted to be like, oh, I'm that guy who rides on the outside of a coach. Well, does that require any balance? No, only sailors know how to balance. Good. So that's, I, I feel like it, it, the game kind of shot itself in the foot by having way too many of these knacks and then divvying them up between these professions. And a, I mean, a couple are in a few things like footwork is in both like the, uh, your attack skill and then in athlete. Oh yeah, no, there's and a ton of And footwork is dodge, basically. Yeah. Uh, like courtier, for example, has, uh, or has uh, seduction and so does spy. Yeah. So there are some where it makes sense, but there's a whole lot where they don't. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of a bummer for me, because it's like, okay, of course a coachman is going to have balance. Uh, I, I mean, and of course a merchant should have access to not tying, but they kept that under sailor because it's a game about pirates. And it's weird to me that they did that. And I don't know what they did with the second edition, but man, if they just got rid of Nax entirely and everything was just these skills... And you're like, what do you have? I have training as a sailor. It's whatever you would think I would have as that. If you think there's any chance at all that 7th C 2nd Edition is less complicated. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, you know, that always happens. Whenever anyone goes to take something they've made and they love, and they definitely get rid of all of the things that they had in there and start fresh. Yeah, they I do mean, not keep everything from it and add on to it. I feel like you want him to violate the third law of RPG, RPG thermodynamics. <laughs> Which is that games become increasingly fractious and complicated as they continue until eventually they reach a heat death. <laughs> Which is what 5th uh, edition D&D is. It's, well. a, it's a heat death of D&D because they just couldn't keep it simple and pure. Uh, <laughs> fuck everyone. Uh, Alright, moving forward here. So yeah, uh, the, the way the skills work is you get, like let's say I buy the spy skill. I automatically get one rank in shadowing and one rank in stealth. I, I then get access to purchasing... More ranks in those two basic knacks if I want them, or for a higher cost, purchasing ranks in the advanced knacks that are associated with Spy. Yes. And what I can do with those ranks is those are the extra dice that I get to roll but not keep when I'm rolling to try and accomplish a skill that has to do with that. Yeah. And one of the things to note is that uh, when you are rolling, this is also a game that has exploding 10s. That's correct. So it's a D10 system, and on a 10, you keep the 10, and you roll again. Yeah, and then you just add that. If you roll another 10, you continue to roll and add until you stop rolling 10s. Which is why this game feels justified in putting out difficulties for things where most people will roll four dice and keep four dice, and putting difficulties at, like, 50. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, no, there's the average difficulty is 15, 15. Yeah. Which is actually quite doable. Yeah. I Um, mean, if you've got any skill at all, you should be able to do it. Well, if you have, let's let's say you have a three, keep three. Yeah. Then on average, you should roll a 15. Yeah. And that's, that is usually what you should get in something you're decent at. Well, yeah, but think about it this way. A three, keep three is 
the maximum you can do without skills. It's, as a starting character, the most you're allowed to have in your skill or, or your uh, attribute is a three. So if something is a difficulty of 15, you have a 50% chance of, or you would, your character has a 50% chance of succeeding on most tasks. Well, that's, yeah, but that's, that's actually a little low. No, but that's if they don't know if it. they don't have the skill. If you're completely unskilled, most games will say you basically aren't going to do this. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, the thing is, it's hard to work out the math on this roll and keep system to actually figure out what the... Dip- like, let's say you have a one rank in shadowing, and you're like, I want to follow that guy. All right, I- I'm going to roll four dice and keep three of them. What level should I raise? Because this also has the raise system, yeah. where you can add five to your difficulty in order to get either a better type of success or to add an effect to what you're doing. Yeah. So if instead of just attacking, I want to raise, I can do a called shot. Right. So I could say, oh, instead of just normally attacking, I'm going to try and stab his eye. I like the raise system in this. It's a little more gambly than it was in, in Legend of the Five Rings. Because I believe in Legend of the Five Rings, you raised after you rolled. And you could be like, all right, I rolled. F- oh, I got, I got a huge roll. Okay, I'll chop off his arm. Because that cost me 10 of my of my 15 extra successes. I think, I don't know if it worked that way. I'm pretty sure there are ways you could get around that, that you could do it afterwards. Right. So if you're like, oh, I'm some master at this style, which means I can raise afterwards. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I think you're right. But this game's a little more gambly, or a little, it, it is gambly. You, you're, oh, yeah. you're taking a chance when you take a raise. Uh, and sometimes you will get what's called a free raise, which just adds five to your roll. Yeah. You also sometimes are, would like to spend a drama dice. Drama dice are awesome and new in this. They're the camels that have one hump. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Bactria dice. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Drama dice are basically free dice you get to roll and keep uh, if your DM is happy with you. Well, the amount of drama dice you get is equal to your lowest stat. Mm-hmm. So whatever your lowest stat is, that's how many drama dice you get for the session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just a free roll and keep on whatever you want. And, or you can use it for certain effects if you're a sorcerer or... If you, uh, yeah, activate spells if you're a sorcerer. You need to spend drama dice to cast spells. Uh, But, by the way, this is one more argument in this game for why you have to max out all your stats. Yeah, it's, you don't want to have a low stat because then it means your drama dice will suffer. Yeah. And the other thing you don't want your drama dice to suffer is... If you don't spend them at the end of the session, it becomes XP. Can I go ahead and say here that I hate that? Yes, you can, because yeah. I will as well. Okay, good, because that is that is dumb. That Disincentivizing it, your players from being awesome. Yeah, your, your player's like, oh, I could do something really cool right here. I could swing across a rope and cut a guy and do a neat thing, or I could build my character at the end of this session. <laughs> or I could be better later. I could have XP. Yeah. Uh, XP is something you should just get. It shouldn't be something that, I mean, you earn it by playing the game and having fun. You should be rewarded for doing cool stuff and not penalized later. Yeah. And I mean, there is a system in there where they're like, oh, did you do something super awesome? The GM could give you a drama die as a reward. And you're like, okay. Or you could just have your drama dice and he could give you an extra, I don't know, free die to roll that isn't XP. It especially penalizes sorcerers in this game. Because to cast any spell at all, you spend a drama die. Yeah, you have to spend XP to cast spells, essentially. Yeah. So that's, I, I don't know, that's just a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, if it wasn't tied to the XP system, the drama dice would be really cool. Because they'd just be stunt dice from Exalted and they'd be fine. Yeah, and I mean, there are ways to get uh, non-permanent drama dice. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, one of the other things you can pick outside of being, say, a sorcerer, which is one of the things you can be, you can also go to a swordsman school, and a lot of them have ways where you can go, oh, if you do this thing that's within the style that you practice, you get a drama die, and you have to use it within like the next two rounds to do something, or else it's lost, and you don't get to keep it. But it just gives you an extra, oh, you were awesome? Here, do something cool with it. Can I also point out, this is something else that kneeled me about this game, and maybe it's because of the setting, the trappings of being like, you know, uh, the Middle Ages or whatever. But both swordsman schools and sorcery, you cannot buy during ca- the game. You have to buy them at character creation. Final chance. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you, uh, to me, that's kind of annoying. Like, imagine if in Star Wars, the, the first movie, when, when uh, Luke first meets Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan pulls out a lightsaber and goes to hand it to Luke, and he's like, wait, you're 18. Lol, no, you didn't start training in this when you were three. You can't ever use this lightsaber. Well, well thing is, you can, because fencing is a skill you can get. 
Yeah. You can just get fencing. Yeah, but it's a hero's journey thing to become like, oh, I'm going to become one of the world's greatest fencers. Except there's these classes of super fencers that I could never possibly aspire to. Yes. So that's, I, I don't care for that. It's the same thing with sorcery. If you don't buy starting sorcerous blood and start the game as a wizard, you never have the chance. Well, yeah, because sorcery in this is based on bloodlines. Sure, but it doesn't. So the nobles are your sorcerers in this. Yeah, but that doesn't, I mean, you can't have someone who's like, well, I found out that I'm a noble. Yeah. Like, imagine well, it's meant to XP late in the game. We're like, well, what do you know? I had no idea I was a noble. I found this Schwartz ring. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, I'm a prince. You can't have that scene in this because your character either knows they're a goddamn wizard because they can cast spells or they will never be a wizard no matter what. Yes. So I'm just saying I didn't care for that. The you can only do these things in character creation. I feel like there should be a, a, a limited pool of things that you cannot do outside of character creation. Yes. And. I mean, I understand the sorcery one simply because either you have the ability to be one or not. It's not something, not like a wizard in D&D where you're like, oh, I studied it. Now I can cast spells. You have to be born into it. Yeah, but even in D&D, your character can multi-class into a sorcerer. <laughs> D&D has those rules. They're in there. <laughs> this game has doesn't have them for some reason. There's no way for your character to go, oh my god, as a massive dramatic moment, he found out he's actually a baron of something. And he's, he's, he figured it out by learning to cast these weird spells. I don't know. It just bothers me. Maybe they, it's something they even changed in the supplement or something. Just eh. It's just something that bugs me personally. That's fine. I'm willing to admit that I'm probably wrong on this. I, I'm willing to admit that you are probably wrong on this as well. It's just a pet peeve. <laughs> All right. So, uh... You've also got, uh... There's about four more things to spend XP on. There are your Arcana. And Arcana are this game's... It's way of trying to hide merits and flaws in... One of my least favorite merits and flaws systems I've seen. Which is you get either a merit or a flaw. Right. And it, you could ask 10 people to read this game and design characters. None of them will ever put, pick a merit. That is true. There's no reason. You get 10 character points. To start with, you get 100 to make your character. Yeah. You get 10 for picking a thing. And you can get a disadvantage that's, oh, I'm loyal. Yeah. Oh, okay. So what does that mean? Oh, it means the... Uh, the DM can spend, because the DM has drama dice. Which, by the way, that's stupid. But anyway, moving on. He can spend a drama die and be like, oh, okay, I can compel you to act in the way that you said you would. And you're like, okay, but if I was role-playing it anyway, I probably would have. So, yeah. meh. Yeah, so it's not that much of a penalty. But you, if you pass on the hubris, you, oh, by the way, the, the arcana is divided into merits and flaws, which are called virtues and hubris. Yeah, so you get hubris and Lewis <laughs> and, and doers. doers. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> also, huge McDuck and Punch Lad McHawn. Oh, all right. So basically, it costs you twenty points if you want to have a merit instead of a flaw, because merits cost ten points to get, and you cannot take a a flaw, which means you lose out on ten points of character points and instead spend ten. So in real in reality, the merits cost twenty. Yeah, I love the idea of the arcana the idea of uh i've got one thing you can pick from and not everyone will have it i mean at least in game terms because everyone will have a disadvantage yes but uh i love the idea that you have this like destiny and it's tied into the vodace sorcery is all about fate weaving and so they'll use Basically tarot decks, but they're called something else because that's this game. Yeah. Uh, but they'll use the... They're uh, called sorte. Torat decks. <laughs> they'll use their sorte power. Yeah. And uh, they can see what someone's like aura is, and it'll show if they have uh, one of these arcana, and if it's regular or inverted or whatever. And that's neat. I really think it's a cool idea. Oh, yeah. It's really neat. The execution in the rule terms is terrible. In the story terms is fantastic. Oh, yeah. To be able to be like, oh, this hero of legend was born under, like, the auspices of the sun. And so that's why he has whatever. And yeah. Like, and there's so, many, there are so many cool ways you could spin that. You could do it with a humorous thing and be like, oh, this character is especially bilious or phlegmatic or whatever. <laughs> uh, you could do anything along those lines and come up with neat ways to describe why your character's virtue or flaw is built into the like the world and actually connects to the world in some way. Well, yeah, given that fate and magic does exist, yeah. the idea that you can be like, oh, yeah, no, he was born to do meh. But a, a swing in points that's equivalent to 20% of your character's starting points is too high of an ask. It should have been, you can pick a virtue or a flaw, virtues are free, and flaws get you 10 points. That way it's only a 10-point swing. Yeah. 
And, I mean, the Virtue does give you a decent, uh, like, little advantage depending on what you pick. Yeah. It's but, too expensive. But, yeah, for 10 points, which is 10%, fairly costly. It's 10% of your character investment. Yeah. And, and that's a game where if you want to be a wizard, you have to spend 40% of your character investment. And if you're playing, like, a non-moron, you've already spent 40% of your other character investment on maxing out all your stats. <laughs> Yeah, and it's the fact that so much of what you want to do costs a lot. Like like you said, being a wizard, 40 points or a shitty wizard for 20 points. Yeah, Or you can be a swordsman for 25 or 35 if you want to be from one nation and practice a different nation's sword play. Yeah, or 20 points. I think it's 20 or 25 if you want to be noble. Oh, yeah, and then, no, noble is 5 or 10. That's right. Yeah, 10 points. 10% of you are starting to be a noble who can't cast spells. Oh, yeah. You get... It's five if you want to be a sorcerer and a noble, since the noble line are sorcerers. So they're like, oh, here's a discount. If you are a sorcerer and you don't have the noble advantage, it means you just got kicked out of the family for some reason. You're disgraced. Right. But it gives you a discount on that when you get it, which is nice. But still, you just spent 40 points to be a wizard. And then they're like, also, wizards are nobles. Did you want to get that? Five more points. Come on, cough it up, buddy. I didn't. Well... I would never do that. No. All right. So the fact that everything is so expensive makes the lure of getting 10 more points somewhere so attractive. Oh, it really does. You also can spend points on what are called advantages. And advantages are different from virtues because they are not part of the virtue and flaw system. And that's it. Lol. (laughs) That's really, I mean, granted, the virtues do have a unified mechanic and and the advantages don't. The advantages are just like interesting character quirks. Yeah. So, I mean, but really they are very, very similar to the, to the virtues and it's easy to forget which one's which. But then the advantages are just, you know, your standard merits. Yeah, there's no like, flaw system outside of the hubris. No, there's no flaws. That was kind of cool. And even things that are, there's a ton of things. And this is something I did like about this game is that there's a lot of advantages that look like they're shitty things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> but then they actually have some rewards that make it interesting to play that character that way. Like one of them, for example, was left-handed. Oh yeah, your character has trouble writing and so on because this is the ancient time. This is ancient times, and people don't train especially well. But you you are an awesome swordsman all the time because no one knows how to fight left-handed guys. Oh yeah, you come out, you're fighting left-handed, and they're like, "Oh shit, I've only practiced against right-handed people. This is weirding me out." Right, and it's the same thing with foul weather Jack, which is the name for someone who has super terrible luck. Oh yeah, normally like a foul weather Jack in this would be, "Oh, you're bad luck. You bring storms." You d- we don't want you on the boat, and so that's an advantage you can buy. Yeah, and it, it lets you do some cool stuff with, like, loyalty dice or something. I forget exactly what it does, but it's neat. It's actually an advantage instead of a problem. Yeah. Now, there is the background that mm-hmm. you can pick, and uh, anyone who's played any sort of the White Wolf, you hear background and you think, oh, I'm spending points on wealth, or I'm going to spend points on contacts, or whatever. No. What backgrounds are in this is what would be a disadvantage in literally any game that has the merits and flaws oh right because they're all except in this one you have to pay points because they understand that getting the flaw of you have a villain who hates you isn't a disadvantage it's actually just a way to get more screen time yeah and this realizes it and they're like oh did you want that you pay points if you want that yeah if you want a nemesis or a dark past or something you're paying for it if you want to have someone you love have been kidnapped away from you and you're hunting to find them Great. You pay points for that. Right. And unfortunately, the thing that I hate about that is any time where that comes up in the game, you get XP for having that come up, which means that while it does cost points at the start, you're mostly just investing in future XP by doing it. Yeah. You're like, oh, what do you have? Uh, I have the uh, hunting background where I want to find something. That's my background. I spent three points. I'm really looking for something that someone stole from me. I'm going to make the game about this so at the end of every session I get 6 XP out of it. Right. Yeah, it's a major problem. And it also incentivizes you to not finish whatever the goal is you set up for your background. Oh, yeah, because the second you're like, oh, and here she is, and I rescued the person I was trying to save, and, oh, fuck, that means my XP well has run dry. Nope, you can have her back. (laughs) Yeah. You do the one where you have a nemesis and you just consistently refuse to kill him. Oh, yeah. Like, ah, I have you at my mercy, but I cannot. But I am a gentleman, and you can go. (laughs) Incidentally, I shall take six XP. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, so we should probably talk really quickly about the wound system in this game. Yep, it's interesting, and like we said, far less lethal. Yes, significantly. In fact, you can't die on accident in this game. Yeah, so what you have is the difference between wounds and dramatic wounds. A normal wound is... A flesh wound. Merely a flesh wound. Yeah, someone has gotten a a nick or a cut, or they've sliced your shirt, or you're just getting tired. Whatever you want to call it. carved a Z into your forehead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So at that point... You, when you take damage, because you'll just roll damage, you then, whatever damage you've taken, you have to roll your resolve against, Mm -hmm. or brawn as well. You roll brawn, and then it's against your resolve. Anyway. Resolve is the wound track. Yeah, so you roll brawn to see if you care. Mm -hmm. And if you beat the amount of wounds you've taken, so let's say someone goes to stab you, and you take 10 wounds, your TN... Or your target number, then, is 10. So you roll your brawn. If you get a 10 or better, you're you're still fine. Great. You keep going. Yep. The second you fail one of these rolls, and it's cumulative, so that 10 you just took, if someone stabs you again for another 10, it's now 20. Yeah, it does. Beat. They're called flesh wounds, which is funny because it calls up a weird mental image to me if your character getting hit with a sword and getting 15 flesh wounds. <laughs> so... <laughs> when it's only that like half happens, abstracted is the problem for me. Eh. <laughs> Whatever. So when that happens, you just keep going until you fail. And as soon as you fail one, all of your wounds go away that were these little minor wounds. And you get one Mortal dramatic wound. wound. Yeah. You get the dramatic wound. And the dramatic wound is your health track of how close you are to essentially passing out. Right. Because that's all that really matters in here is if you take enough dramatic wounds. To hit your resolve, then you're super crippled. If you double the resolve, you pass out. Right. So, it is it is definitely less lethal. No matter what, even if someone hits you really crazily hard, you're still, at worst, going to take a dramatic wound. Yep. So, your character always has a number of times before they get really crippled, equivalent to the resolve. You can fight for a respectably swashbuckly amount of time. Yeah. But it also means that this reinforces Panache as the best stat. Oh, yeah. Because the more you hit them, it's better, because it doesn't matter how hard you hit them, it's how often you hit them. Yeah, because all you need to do is make them fail once. Yeah, because as soon as they fail, they go ahead and get their dramatic wound, so you just keep stabbing them over and over again, which means you're going to run into that failure way faster. Right. Okay, so uh, I think we've covered the, the... Well, we also have the magic system in this game. Now, magic is interesting because it's divided up by the five of the eight or so countries that have sorcery schools. Yeah, because not everyone has wizardry. And they all have different types if they have wizardry at all. So, for example, uh, the the uh, the Montaigne, the French, their spell is called uh, Porte, and it's it's basically teleportation magic. Yeah, and to start with, it's all based on blood, so you have to, like, mark things with your own blood and that ties you to it. Mm-hmm. So to start, it's mostly like, oh, I bloody something, and then I can reach through the dimensions and grab it. It's kind of, that one feels weirder to me than all of the other magic schools in this, because the rest of them kind of feel like interesting mysticism that kind of makes sense for the folklore of that nation. So like, Well, yeah, like, Avalon, the British equivalent, has glamour. Yeah, they have charm magic, and Russians turn into animals, and the Vodace have fate manipulation. It all, it all kind of makes sense, and it, it feels like they have tarot decks. They have that kind of thing happening. So it all kind of feels like it makes sense. And then French people are teleporters? Yeah. It was a little weird. It's an odd choice, but yeah. sure. Yeah. So, whatever. It's, it's, it's certainly one of the more powerful schools. If you look at it, you're like, oh, one of the things you can do is nominate a weapon as your bloodied weapon. And it's a weapon you can always call to yourself when you need to. And there's nothing stopping you from being like, uh, my ship's cannon. <laughs> uh. I'll just teleport into this hallway. Well... You have to be able to get it through a tiny opening. No, because you just need to, you as, just, as the thing goes on, it's how wide you can get your teleportation. You only need that, o- that teleportation hole as wide as a cannonball. <laughs> You're fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and then, so yeah, there, okay. There's the glamour, which is uh, the, the England equivalent, Avalon's. That's all charm spells. Uh, Vendel has one. It's rune magic. Yeah, and that's mostly just... Uh, like semi or depending on how far along you are permanent little buffs that you get because you either use a rune and you go oh i'm going to use this rune and i get or it's i have like inscribed this rune upon myself 
so that I always have it. Yes, you can carve your own flesh to get extra to get cool spells in that one. Uh, Pierium, which is the Russian one, which is shape shifting into animals, uh, and then you also have the portal magic and the the fate magic. the fate magic, and that's yeah. all of them. So the other the other si- uh, countries don't have magic traditions. So Castile. Uh, the Spanish don't have a magic tradition. Instead, they have a r- rich history of education in the sciences. Yep, and then the Germans don't because they're all about mining the Drachenisen, which is their super awesome steel that's better than anything, and uh, it has increased difficulty to hurt them if they're wearing Drachenisen armor. Yes. And they have better damage if they've got a sword made out of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, any country uh, that doesn't have sorcery has... Something. I actually really like the Germans because they also had the Panzer Faust or Panzerhand or whatever it's called, which is your ha- the the metal gauntlet. Because they their their swordsman fighting school style is you hold a broadsword in one hand and a big metal hand in the other. And the fighting style is I grab your sword and stab you. Yeah, I thought that was rad. Yeah, Panzer Faust or whatever it was. That was that was cool. So the Germans were something I was particularly keen on i thought that was kind of neat or the eisen yeah although they are super fucked up in the game because that's where the protestantism was Uh uh-huh there the and then there was a huge like civil war over this objective objective it's just called objectivism (laughs) yeah objectification of womenism yeah that's what it was yeah so the that's pretty much everything for a character at that point you're pretty much done yeah and then you go off and you get in cool fights i think the only thing we didn't discuss is how armor works yeah, and... I'm not gonna. Nope. All right, move, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, weapons and armor are mostly just... Add in, dice, but Increasing not TNs, dice. so how hard it is to hurt you. Or with a weapon, it'll be like, this adds, like, two to your damage. So normally it would be your brawn. Right. So it'd be like, oh, I have two brawn. I roll two and keep two for the damage that I deal. If I'm using this awesome sword, it will have an extra two, say, to my roll. Mm-hmm. And then I'll keep two. Or maybe it'll be an extra two to my roll and I keep four. Who right. fucking knows? There's a bunch of different weapons that work in cool ways. Yeah. All right. So um, once you have all that done, then the game basically asks you. There's a section in this book I thought was particularly cool for uh, interaction mechanics. Because you can like uh, taunt people or try to convince them to see your, your way of reasoning and so on. And it was all done with rolls based off your wits and panache. Yeah. I'm sorry, wits and resolve. You can also attempt to stop people from fighting via intimidation. I thought that was neat. Mm-hmm. And then that's followed by an interesting section about boat building. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a bunch of uh, boat stuff in this. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's interesting. You're probably not going to have your own boat because you're just some guy, but you yeah, might you, eventually. You definitely can't afford one. No. At the start of this game. You start very poor in this game. I mean, even if you get the noble background, you're like, okay, I've got like $500. Yeah. What's just amusing to me because the boat section starts with this this optional secondary rule where it's like it's possible your characters may want to build a boat during the the game instead of starting with a boat. And I'm like, bitch, they don't start with a boat unless it's like a rowboat. <laughs> no, the only way they start with a boat is, is if you're like, oh right, what are you? Oh, we're privateers for Avalon, right? So we don't have a boat. We were just given a boat and told to go fuck people over. We're on a boat. Yeah, check. Don't us you out. ever forget. <laughs> hey, we both went there. Yeah. All right. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about uh, Legend of the Five Rings? <laughs> I'm well, kidding. Okay, about 7C. Okay, best thing in this book for me, and there are a lot of good things to say about this. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff, too. It's a mixed blessing of a book. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say probably my favorite thing is the uh, the the skill package system itself, the idea behind it. Like I was saying before, if you didn't have knacks. Yeah, if Max didn't exist. I love the skill idea that it's just, oh, you pick a thing and that's what you have. Yeah. But then, I mean, I don't know if I can say that's my favorite thing, since it's basically my favorite thing is a house rule I came up with for this game. My favorite thing is if this game was missing several layers of complexity. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I like the... I'll go ahead and say I like the swordsman schools, because if you go through... They're cool. Each They're fun to them. read. Yeah. They they all have these, like, what do you get as a beginner, a journeyman, and advanced? Are you a master swordsman? You have these advantages. If you're just starting, you have these advantages. And they all have their own flavor. So yeah. even though most of them are just fencing, right. the way in which you do it is interesting. So, like, some are very much, oh, I have, like, a rapier and a men gauche, and I go fence. But even then, like, the French one is that. But the whole idea of doing it is you're insulting the other person throughout the entire fight 
so that they slip up and that you can stab them. Right. And then, like, the Eisenfaust one are, is you attempt to grab the other person's weapon by the blade so you can stab them while they're, while they're busy. Oh, yeah. Or the Vendel one, which is just hit them really hard with an axe. <laughs> the Vendel one, which is let them hit you so that you can hit them harder. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, they're all they're all very flavorful and interesting, and the spell system works the same way. Yeah, where you have like a, an apprentice and then a journeyman and then a master, and each level gets you new things. So, like for example, for Russian uh, sorcerers or Usuran uh, Pierium users, you have the first level is turn into animals, and then the second level is turn partially into animals because that's more complicated to like get one bare arm. Yeah. So that, that was kind of. But I neat. think it's everyone's right. Yeah, it is everyone's right to one bare arm. Yeah, just one though. Just one. No, you don't get to bear arms. Yeah, no assault bear arms. <laughs> I mean, these automatic bear arms. The founding fathers did not predict automatic bear arms. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, all right. So, okay. So you're saying that you like the uh, the swordsman system? Yeah, that swordsman system is probably for me the peak part of this game, where it has the mechanics working well in its favor. And the actual flavor of the game working in its favor. Yeah. No, I w- there's a bunch of things where I would say it's my favorite, but there's some crippling flaw to it. Like, I'd be like, I love the concept of drama dice, but they, they break them up by turning them into the XP system as well. Yeah. So, so what is your favorite thing in here then? Well, let's see. I'm going to probably say my favorite thing in here is the uh, the fantasy not Europe setting. <laughs> I actually kind of like it. I think he did a pretty good job of coming up with, with fun little changes to things that I love the idea of a ruined Germany that's got people mining for like secret super metal. It's it's all very it's all very neat. It's it, I mean, at first when I was searching, it, I was like, ah, oh, geez, okay, fine, Vodachi, that's obviously Italy. Let's move. Let's go. When are we going to get to Portugalia? What, what? <laughs> but I like it. I think it's kind of a neat setting. So okay. the setting is my favorite thing. What would you say is your least favorite thing? Oh, definitely the setting. <laughs> really? No. Oh. Uh, I mean... It, Can you make it, a case for it? Because that'd be funny. Oh, yeah. Well, it definitely has a lot of eye roll moments. Uh, it does, yeah. Anytime you just straight have the exact same thing happen, but you change the name to a, I went through a thesaurus and found something, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it, whatever. Yeah. Oh, these these uh, Russians are looking for caviar eggs in the White Sea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, my least favorite thing in this is i kind of want to go with the drama dice honestly because it's it's such a good idea and that's why it's so annoying to me the incentivizing your players against being awesome yeah that is that is a real problem because anytime you play a role-playing game i mean unless you're doing something really weird most of the time you really want to have these great amazing dramatic moments and having a special die that's there to go look i know you want to do this really awesome thing you need to have this happen because this is your cool moment here are extra dice to make that happen and that's amazing but then they're like oh by the way you don't get xp because you did this right and so you have to choose between being a cool hero and getting a reward at the end yeah, that is kind of a bummer. I mean, I understand. It's exactly the sort of thing that your Wick-type uh, ma- game maker would do. Yeah. He's like, ah, I'm putting an interesting trap on the players. Why? God play- damn it, John Wick. Quit the- being the green goblin and giving me a nefarious choice. Yeah, the, the players aren't kids. You don't need to run them through a, a funny little trap maze. By the way, like I was saying, I read the DMG in this book a little bit. There's a section where he says that if the players aren't playing according to the tone of the game you'd like, you sh- or if one player... It says, if one of your players isn't playing according to tone or is telling too many jokes, you should punish the entire party. That will teach him. Yeah. Uh, I was like, that will, you should never say the sentence, that will teach him about another adult that you are hanging out with. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, oh, we, we haven't really gotten into John Wick as a, a writer, but who boy. I, I it, mean, there's, there's a, an advantage in this called faith. Yeah. And the faith is an advantage that costs five points, so it's pricey. And the description of it is, this might not do anything. Or maybe it does. Your GM will tell you, fuck you. I'm not going to spend five points on the off chance that something happens. Watch, in the DMG, there's a section that's like, don't do anything. Laugh yeah, at them. If someone has faith, uh, let them uh, maybe do a thing, but get, don't. Get them a Richard Dawkins book. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because that's, that's the tone. That that sort of that will teach them tone is so toxic. 
You know what you should never say about another adult? That will teach him. Don't try to teach other people lessons through tricking them or punishing them. Well, if don't... someone at your table is being an asshole, tell them that. Yeah. Be like, hey, man, uh, just so you know, I'm really trying to go for more of a uh, serious intrigue vibe here. And every time I try and set the scene, you make a joke about something. If you could try to not do that, that way we can get the tone that I'm going for. And he will either say, oh, yeah, that's reasonable or... Nah, man. And then you can say, okay, well, maybe don't play in the game. Exactly. No, meanwhile, John Wick seems to turn every single game he ever runs into Azop's fucking fables. Whereas, <laughs> ha ha! You decided you needed power, but with that power came a price. Yeah. I've tortured your player! Oh! Yeah, that's, it's, it's infuriating. I don't understand why he does that. But anyway, that's not, even that's, since that's not in this book, that no. can't be my least favorite thing. Okay, so least favorite for you. Uh, let's see. You've got the drama dice going. I have a Do you want to go the hubris? No, I mean, hubris doesn't bother. It's, it's a bad swing and it's stupidly designed, but as far as merits and flaws go, it's not that bad. I'm going to say panache is a stat. It's, yeah. It's just straight up bad design to be able to just buy actions. Yes. It's, it's unnecessary and it makes it so, it, it, it's such a raw example of system mastery. Where, and I know the podcast is called that and whatever. It's, but ostensibly, there are situations where it's a bad thing. Where, where, where one player's like, well, I knew to play French and get a three and resolve, so I have, or in Panache, so I have four. Yes. So I get to go four times in a round. How often do you get to go? Once? Ha. Huh. You did the game. <laughs> You're dumb. You did the game wrong. <laughs> yeah. Anytime there's a very clear, you did the game wrong, but it's not totally clear to someone who would be new, I really feel leery about it because. There are trap options that exist in a lot of games, but when it's so important, like action economy, yeah. that if you didn't realize it, you are so screwed. Right, and then also, Panache doesn't do anything else. You no, it's just actions. Yeah, so you have you, you have this thing where you like read through it, you're like, what does Panache do? Uh, it gets you extra actions. Oh, okay, well, I, maybe I don't need that. I don't know if I need that, but it certainly doesn't seem to do anything else like all these other stats do. They do lots of stuff. Yeah. But not Panache. But you need to buy it. It is the most important stat anyway, because it's action economy. Yep. So that's my least favorite thing. There you go. I feel like we could even agree on that one being a bad design. But yep. it, but moving along, right along there, John, would you play 7C? Uh, I would. I'd want to have a few house rule things. I mean, obviously, drama dice, not XP. Yeah. Uh, I I would want the skills to just be the skills and not knacks, but that's me. Right, and that's fair enough. Uh, You'd have to find another way for... Oh, I was just thinking, when I was saying earlier that this game has... If you don't mind, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. Uh, least favorite things. I, Panache is the obvious choice. But the other thing I wanted to say is that this game has, like I said earlier, this game has too many options that you have to buy at character creation and are not enough points. This game starts everyone off as a shit farmer, but if you want to be like a wizard at some point in your life, you don't even get to be a shit farmer. You're like second assistant shit farmer. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. For a game that's supposed to be about like being swashbuckling awesome characters, you start in deep apprentice territory. Oh, yeah. Well, if you want... Any of the interesting things in this game, mm -hmm. they're all so expensive that you don't have enough to then spend on, say, your knacks and whatnot, so that your guy's like, oh yeah, I'm 30, but I've spent my entire life only learning one thing, because I do not know how to do anything else. Right. I get the impression that most people who play this game, and I know this is a huge game with a major fan base and following, and lots of people play this, I would be willing to lay down money that more than half the tables start characters with 150 hero points <laughs> instead of 100. I guarantee it. <laughs> not, not so much because they want to start the game at a, with a higher power level, but because of that whole, oh, half, more than half these choices, you have to make it at the start of the game. Meh. That, that aspect makes a huge difference. Because then your starting character is this nonsense where it's like, well, someday I'll be kind of cool, but right now I'm a mishmashed collection of dumb ideas. <laughs> Just like this podcast. <laughs> Just like our, our idea for our new video show, John Ruins Meat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Anyway, if you want to hear more about John Ruins Meat, just wait, because we'll probably bring it back up again later. But in the meantime, you said you would play this game. Yes, I would. Uh, you know, some caveats, but mo for the most part, I would play this game. Right. Okay. I, and, I, I and know you, it helps you. I believe you have friends who do play this game. Yes. Yeah. And I would definitely play with them. Right. Because they are the type of people that are like, oh, we'll ignore any dumb bullshit as long as the story's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So would you play this? Uh, yeah, I'd probably play this. It's simple enough that I feel like it's it should be in my wheelhouse for games where, like, the roll and keep mechanic isn't unnecessarily complicated, and it's easily adapted so that you can use it for virtually every rule or rolling you need to, use to do in the game. Uh, so I actually, I mean, literally... You use a roll and keep mechanic. You use the skill mechanic to track whether or not you take damage. Yeah. 
So it's it's got a lot of streamlining, which I find uh, attractive, and a lot of big mistakes. Which but they're big glaring mistakes, which means I feel like they're probably pretty easy to fix. Yeah, it's not like weird little domino mistakes where you're like, oh, if I change this one thing, then it also changes how this interacts, and then that changes how this interacts. And you're like, fuck, this is terrible. But if I change it, it screws the system. The one big glaring. Uh, example or problem with that is panache you'd have to find some well, sort honestly of solution. all you do is you say panache is you get everyone is baseline three actions that's it and panache lets you either say re-roll how you go in the initiative order or whatever that yeah. way it gives you something without just being strictly better yeah i'd also probably tie it into a couple of the social stats and, yeah. and then i'd be happy because panache describes social yes to me anyway all right so there you go. We would both kind of play that. Uh, you'd play this game. I'd kind of play this game. Uh, I feel like it's probably a bit of a recommend coming out of System Mastery. Kind of. All right. So there you go. Uh, that has been System Mastery 7th C. As always, you can find us at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. System Matter. Mas- System Matter. System Matter. No, System Mastery on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, all those different places. You can support us on Patreon if you like. If you do that, you get our bonus content where we make characters in the game we just described. So coming right up, we're going to have some characters. Heck yeah, that'll be out today. And again, you get that on Patreon if you support us at any amount. If you give us a dollar, you get the bonus content. If you give us 50 cents, you get the bonus content. If you give us $50, you get the better bonus content. That's, that is true. You, you get, get director's cut bonus yeah. content. The, the only other thing you can get out of it is at $10 per episode if you do five episodes in a row then we will read something you write on the air. It's a great way to get $50 ads. Yeah. Or to make us read horrible things, like Juggalo's recommending John Kasich. 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 Kasich has has done nothing. (laughs) Man, how much should John Kasich be drawn as a Kazit right now? (laughs) Kazit. Kazit has wares if you have coin. (laughs) Right of center wares. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, as always, you can support us from a variety of different places. Find us, recommend games, mail us games, whatever. We're just glad you're still listening. Thanks so much, and have a good week. <laughs>